Well, good morning. You've survived the week and are here to tell the tale. It's uh, good to see you this morning. Uh, on the last Sunday of the old year, looking out into a, a new year with uh, hope and uh, expectation and faith in our faithful Lord whom we've been singing about. Um, this morning we're turning to the book of Hebrews. We're turning to the book of Hebrews, a bit of a change of tack, uh, and we're going to read chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 3, therefore holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confession and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Let's pray for a moment as we turn to God's word this morning. Our Father, we come to you aware again of our smallness and our weakness, aware that our words can achieve nothing, but it is through the work of your Holy Spirit that spiritual life is brought and spiritual life is nurtured. And so, Lord, we depend upon you. We cast ourselves upon you this morning in these moments to speak again by your spirit, to instruct from your word, to feed and to encourage and to warn and to admonish. Lord, hear our prayer. Bless your word to us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Do you ever wonder why God has left us such detailed accounts in the Old Testament of his dealings with uh, Israel? Why we have dates and times and numbers and 
all the rest of it. Such a detailed history. Well, the primary reason, of course, is that God is mapping out for us the plan of salvation. And from that first promise that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head, we see that what someone has called the scarlet thread of redemption running through the Bible. Um, and, and as we read the stories of the Old Testament, we see how God is working to preserve that seed, to bring that Messiah um, to birth, and then to fulfill that um, plan of salvation that he had. So that's the, the primary reason. It, it is Jesus who unites our Old Testament and our New Testament. It is Jesus who's the subject of the whole Bible. He's the center. He's the focus of all 66 books. And it is to him that God urges us to look. And for him, God urges us to live so that he'd be glorified in us. However, there's a, a second reason, a, a subsidiary reason, we might say. Uh, it, it follows on from the first and flows from it. And it's that which applies that history uh, in, in the Bible to us in a very personal and challenging way. It, it applies the history to our lives. It's vital that we learn from history. Some have said if we don't learn the lessons of history, then we're committed to doing them again, uh, making the same mistakes. We're to learn from the past. We're to learn the vital spiritual lessons from God's dealings with his people of old. And the writer has in mind here both those who are God's people by faith and those who are living in disobedience and rebellion against God. Because this is a, a message here in this third chapter of Hebrews, and indeed throughout the book of Hebrews, which has an application to believers and an application to unbelievers as well. So we may describe these verses that we have read together this morning as an exhortation to the believer and a warning to the unbeliever. We come to the end of an old year and the beginning of a new and the exhortation to believers, I believe, from this passage is very timely indeed. Keep on going on. Keep on going on. Persist in pursuing God's way and help each other to do so. Verse 13 says, exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. And the book of Hebrews it constantly warns us as God's people to beware of any creeping poison of unbelief. That would, that would infect our lives and that would spoil our walk with him. If you look at verse 12 there, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. That's a warning that God's people need to take um, seriously. Um, and, and though we as God's children are saved by, and kept safe by grace, it does not relieve us of the responsibility of nurturing and guarding our spiritual lives. Constantly, in Scripture, we are urged to strive, to labor, to resist evil, and so forth. Verse 14 reminds us here that we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. And, and what the writer of the Hebrews is saying there is that the proof of genuineness of faith is perseverance. You remember those disciples, so-called, who left Jesus in John 6? And they walked no longer afterward. They were temporary disciples. The fact that they defected showed that they were, in fact, never true disciples. 
Here we are told that the proof of genius of faith is perseverance. And we are urged to persevere. That responsibility, that challenge is brought to us. So, in short, if you like, in summary form, that's the application to believers. We'll come back to, uh, to it later on again. But I want this morning to concentrate on the implication of these, believer, these verses for unbelievers. While we as believers are to take the relevant lessons for ourselves, I want us to um, concentrate on those who are unbelievers. There are four things in this uh, verse, this text, which is ours, uh, which is uh, verse, verses 7 and 8. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. It's interesting, isn't it, that it's, it's quoted three times, twice in chapter 3 and again in chapter 4. And in fact, this is a quotation from Psalm 95 in the Old Testament. So when something's repeated in Scripture, it's important. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. There's a condition to be fulfilled, first of all, if you hear his voice. Now, the Holy Spirit's drawing attention to something very elementary, but it's absolutely vital if you hear his voice. Hearing in the sense of heeding. God spoke often to the wandering Jews, even by signs and wonders in the, uh, uh, in, in the wanderings in Egypt, but they were deaf to him. See, it's all too possible to hear and not to heed. To hear and not really hear. When I was teaching in Orangey Boys School many, many years ago, I had lots of little boys in front of me and they heard my voice all right, but they never heard what I was saying. They never heeded. It's not true heeding. People who live near busy roads, for example, they become oblivious to the traffic noise. They hear it, but it doesn't affect them. It doesn't register. But the kind of hearing that the Holy Spirit is speaking about here is listening. Hearing which is heeding. And here this morning, as you're in this service, you may hear the sound of my voice, but maybe it's not penetrating. Now, in and of itself, that's not all that important. The tragedy isn't that you don't hear me. The tragedy is that you don't hear God's words spoken through me. That's what the tragedy is. Hearing, but not heeding. There's a further more dangerous situation. And it is a refusal to hear. A deliberate turning away. A deliberate switching off. A deliberate stopping of your spiritual ears. And there are those who do that. Remember those who stoned Stephen. When he cried out, we were told that they stopped their ears. They made themselves spiritually deaf. So there is a condition here to be fulfilled. If you hear. And then there's a voice to be heard. His voice. His voice. Now, one could easily understand people refusing to listen to the gospel if it was but the, the message of a man, spoken by a man. Uh, I could understand people turning away from that. If the message is of no confidence, uh, sorry, no importance, refusal to hear it is of no consequence. If the message is trivial, then to refuse to hear it, well, it doesn't have any consequences. And if the messenger in and of himself is of no importance. 
then refusal to hear is nothing serious. But the voice referred to here is his voice. And the messenger bringing the message has been sent by God. So refusal to hear that messenger is deeply serious. How easily men and women are swayed today by the popular voices around them. Celebrities, film and pop stars, sports stars, even when they're talking about things they don't know anything about. You know, we've had recently um, sports personalities pontificating about climate change. We've had pop stars dictating uh, social and political policy. We've had fashion experts setting moral guidelines and principles and all the rest of it. And people will listen to them. People listen to them. They listen to their voices. But the voice of the eternal God, the voice of the incarnate Son, the voice of the Holy Spirit, they have no time for these. Furthermore, preachers of the gospel are ridiculed and berated, dismissed as bigots and narrow-minded when they declare God's counsel. Now, in this case, the rejection of the messenger is, in effect, the rejection of the message. When the messenger is declaring God's word and he is berated or he is ridiculed or rejected, that is, in fact, then a rejection of the message. And it seems that today the general public will listen to any voice and any advice except that comes with the authority of God. Any voice but his voice. So a condition to be fulfilled, if you will hear, a voice to be heard, his voice, an example to be avoided. Harden not your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, the writer of the Hebrews is quoting the psalmist and both are referring back to the folly of the Israelites in the wilderness. Within a few weeks of experiencing and witnessing the miracle of freedom through the Exodus, and it was a, an amazing miracle. Within a few weeks of that, they were grumbling to get back to the, to the, the flesh pots of Egypt. Then they threatened Moses to stone Moses because of lack of water. They engaged in idolatry at the foot of Sinai. And ultimately, they refused God's command at Cadius Barnea to enter into the promised land. So by hardening their hearts, what do we mean by hardening their hearts? Well, carelessness about spiritual things. Or preoccupation with worldly things. Or just simply plain stubborn unbelief. By hardening their hearts, they earn God's judgment and their bodies fell in the wilderness. And God gives us this example to be avoided and very clearly lays the responsibility at our feet. If you're not saved here this morning, the responsibility of repenting, turning to Christ and seeking his forgiveness is yours. No one else can do that for you. And God will not do that for you. God will pour his grace upon you, but it is your responsibility to hear, to heed, 
and to obey the voice of God. For us as believers, there is a a real word of warning here. These words don't undermine the security you have in Christ. Uh, We're told that none can pluck us out of his hand and none can pluck us out of the Father's hand. But they do serve as a warning about allowing a spirit of carelessness about spirits of priorities to creep in. And all of us are wont to do that. We live in a world which is centered on the here and now, the material, the physical. And, and we can so easily be infected by that and lose a sense of true priorities, of the spiritual worth uh, that there is in the things of God. So there's a word of warning here for us. But for unbelievers, the message is clear and plain. A hard heart in the end, will bring ruin, separation from God, eternal destruction. John tells us that whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. Look around you today. Look around you at the the lives that are being destroyed and ruined by the deceit and the rottenness of sin. I remember uh, quite a, a number of years now uh, driving uh, up Scott Street in Dungannon and there was a new poster uh, up on the wall at the place now where quite often there's actually a, a text and a, and, a, and a Christian poster, but it wasn't a Christian poster then. And on that wall, was all you could see was a picture of two very shapely ladies' legs and a skirt. And... Uh, a crate of drink, a crate of beer or something. And the message, of course, was that this is a way to glamour, this is a way to attract the opposite sex, this is a way to really live, you know, if you have a drink. But what these ads don't show are the folk who are in the gutter because of their sin, the folk who have lost everything, the folk whose lives have been destroyed and ruined health-wise, material-wise, family-wise, every way. The devil will shield that from the eyes of unbeliever. But make no mistake, and scripture is very plain here, what will happen in the end will be ruin. Lives destroyed by the rottenness and the deceitfulness of sin. And that rottenness and deceitfulness of sin that you see here will be magnified a thousandfold, a millionfold in the place of eternal ruin. So, condition to be fulfilled if you hear a voice to be heard his voice an example to be avoided harden not your hearts as in the rebellion and a time to be heedful today today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts a time to be heedful at the end of the old year in the beginning of a new decade. We're chatting during the week and just saying, isn't it incredible? We're 20 years past the millennium. Do you remember that year they told us the planes were going to fall out of the sky and the, 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 the banking system was going to be destroyed and the computers were going to be wrecked and all the rest? But here we are 20 years on and it's just been a, a flash, hasn't it? It's just, it's, it's just been a, a, a moment, really. Entering a new decade, 20 years afterwards. And at the end of this year and the beginning of a new year, 
We must not miss this word. Today. Today. If you hear his voice. Always in scripture. When responding to the words and the commands of Jesus. There's a sense of urgency. The reason for this is plain. None of us can be guaranteed tomorrow. James 4. Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Someone has written a little Pretend conversation. It's a bit like C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, although it's not screw tape. It wasn't C.S. Lewis who wrote this. But according to this story, the devil had a conference of his demons one day. And uh, he was wanting to find out how to be more effective in stopping this Christian church growing, stopping who he regarded as the enemy, that is God, uh, continuing to build his church. And so he, he gathered a, a conference and uh, there were five of these demons who were tasked with bringing ideas. Well, the first one, he said, simple. I'll just tell people there's no God. The devil said, rubbish. All they've got to do is look around them. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at the miracle of a new baby. Look at the miracle of their own bodies. There's plenty of evidence that there's a designer there. So it was dismissed. Demon too. He said, I'll tell them there's no such thing as evil. They can do what they like. The devil said, don't be a fool. He said, look around the world. Look what's happening in this corner. Look what's happening in that corner. Look at uh, man's cruelty to man. Look at the poverty and the starvation linked with the greed and the exploitation that there is in the world. Won't do. Won't do. Dean number three. He came up with a better idea. He said, I shall persuade everyone that the churches are not in fashion. Definitely not cool. And that people inside them are out of touch, will never change their ways, and that they're only after your money anyway. Well, the devil said, that's better, he said, but we've been trying that for years, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down the growth of the enemy's church. Number four. He says, I've got a foolproof plan. I will fill their lives with addiction to television, iPads, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, and all the rest of it. I'll fill their lives with those things. And, and, and there's no time to think about spiritual realities. Then I said, that's, that's better, he said, but really... We've been working at that too and it doesn't seem to be achieving much for us. The fifth demon, he was a bit dilatory uh, about his plan. The devil said, well, come on, come on, tell it. Well, he said, I, I'll tell them that what the preachers say is true, what the Bible says is true. I'll tell them that Jesus is God's son, that he came to this earth, that he died for sinners. I'll tell them that they need to be saved but I'll tell them there's plenty of time. And the devil said, that's it. That's it. Tell them 
the plenty of time. And there's so much evidence around us, dear friends, this morning that this is the idea which keeps many from trusting Christ. Oh, they know. They know they need to trust him. They know they need to know him. They know they need forgiveness. But not yet. Not yet. Many will be in churches today who believe in their heads much of what we preach and even realize that they need to be saved. But tomorrow, next week, next year, when I settle down, get married, when I finish school or college, the Bible says today, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Don't risk letting today become too late. Don't risk letting today become too late. The time is now. Beware of trifling with God and with the days that God has given you. Seek him while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. A condition to be fulfilled, if you will hear, a voice to be heard, his voice, um, an example to be avoided, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation, and a time to believe today, now. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing our closing hymn, uh, and uh, then uh, all the communion, okay? Father, we pray that the urgency of this message and the reality of this message will grip some hearts today. For those who are unsaved, Lord, that they will see their great need of trusting you now. For we who are your children, Lord, that we will see the great responsibility that is ours to nurture our spiritual lives, to ensure that we are uh, obeying our calling, to continue to labor and persevere in the things that please you. Lord, we pray as we exit an old year and enter a new year that our hearts will be refreshed, that our determination will be renewed, that our dedication to you will be refreshed, and that we'll serve you, Lord, with our whole hearts. And Lord, how we long that the turning of this year may be a turning spiritually for those who are still outside of Christ. God grant it those whom we love and are concerned for, that they might come to know Jesus as Savior. Hear our prayers and bless us now for Jesus' sake. Amen.